This is episode 62 and is recorded March 6th and made available for download March 10th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon. And I'm Tony. Well, what do we have this week, Tony? In this week's Squawk Box, have you noticed how Don's uh, thrusters go on for miles? If you know what I mean. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, 10 for the Chairman 55, and all the latest info from the 1.1.0 patch, currently sort of kinda maybe on the PTU on this Friday night. Uh, in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we talk about those pesky Tavarin, and finally we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially if you know how Kickstarter works, then you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it is nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that you folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We want to thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. After all, the more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Hey, you boys, need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation's This is Tony saying welcome to the squawk box, everyone. NASA's Dawn spacecraft settled into orbit around the dwarf planet Ceres, the largest asteroid in our solar system's asteroid belt. This is the second and final stop for the probe, launched in 2007, the first being the not-quite-dwarf planet Vesta, also in the asteroid belt. The mission chalks up a couple of firsts for NASA. The first first is that Dawn will have intercepted and orbited two different solar orbiting masses in its life. Many probes have used planets for gravitational assist, but Dawn flew to Vesta, achieved stable orbit for several months, and then left that orbit, flew to a different object orbiting the sun, and will complete its service life in another stable orbit. Dawn's second first, her special secret, ion thrusters, baby. A 10-kilowatt solar array powers three N-star thrusters fueled by 425 kilos of pure xenon. In deep space, each engine produces over 90 micronewtons of thrust, and that lets it perform a velocity change of more than 10 kilometers per second. And that's not all. To help with those tight rotations required for orbital insertion and antenna alignment, she carries an even dozen 90-centinewton hydrazine thrusters. All this sounds impressive on paper. But Dawn doesn't score her points for acceleration, but time. Her engines aren't powerful, but so very durable. When you have to put three billion miles on the odometer before shutting down, reliability is where it counts. The biggest surprise of the mission so far is some highly reflective bright spots in the middle of an old crater on Ceres' surface. The leading theory thus far is that a small impact exposed frozen water just below the rocky surface and through sublimation, which is a phase change where matter goes from solid to gas without stopping at liquid, and it left behind some dissolved salts. These salts tend to be highly reflective, and so that would account for the bright spot. So all this amazing technology at our disposal, a little probe that makes controlled flights between tiny worlds through an asteroid belt, and still, 
we go straight for the shiny pretties. Out of all of that, I can't believe you missed out the best quote in the article. Oh yeah, what's that? To quote the article, Dawn passed behind the dwarf and into its dark side. <laughs> That's pretty Thank good. you, Lennon. I thought the joke you wrote about Dawn's thrusters going on for, for miles and miles at the, the front was good. But no, you've topped it. Oh, I love Ceres, though. It's definitely my favorite of the uh, dwarf planets. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes, um, dwarf planets. Yeah, I but love no Ceres. love for Pluto? Uh, no love for Pluto? No, no. Pluto was overrated. I mean, it gets uh, a load of attention because it got demoted, but Ceres is where the action is at. I mean, as you can apparently. see right here. Well, yeah, I mean, the yeah. thing is, Ceres has always been a candidate for having frozen water, or ice, as we tend to call it in the uh, non-scientific uh-huh. world here. That's... Mm tip for the listener. I've heard of this, this ice. Yes. Mm. yes it is excellent in whiskey, and <laughs> when it's on a planet or a dwarf planet, a bit like Ceres, there is always the remotest possible chance that there is possibly life or at least enough bacteria that could lead to life. And one of the theories about life first spawning on Earth is that it came from another asteroid or rock or that sort of thing, travelled through space, and Ceres is also one of the candidates for this. So, yeah, I find it really interesting and really can't wait to see what they produce from dawn it's really cool that we are now able to you know go from planet to planet we're not just like shooting past it and counting on you know a a gravitational slingshot to alter course and give us just a few more seconds of of time i mean we can actually slow down to a speed where the the planetoids natural gravitation can let the probe orbit it i mean that that's huge there and gee whiz if we just had money to sort of like do this again to other planets and other astronomical bodies yeah that would be pretty awesome so um, you used to be a host on Priority One, didn't you? I did. You did. Did you notice what planet they went to first? Vesta. Vesta. <laughs> yeah, there's one for old Priority One fans. <laughs> yes, yeah. Vesta. Have you read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. Three one seven five Port Bay hands on approach. Check your screen. Call the ball. Our crowdfunding update for March 6, 2015, 74,707,000, up another 700,000 kids, kids, kids. The gold-plated ashtray and the German sound system that Chris Roberts has ordered for his car, it's not going to happen at these low rates, kids. Let's let's pick up the pace. Only 7,000 additional citizens added. We're never going to get to a million at this pace, kids, 771,000 star citizens, and the UEE fleet has only grown by 5,000 to 639,000 ships. I mean, I don't know what kind of game I'm playing anymore. I mean, these ridiculously low numbers, slow to a crawl. I, I, I don't know what to do. Episode 55 of 10 for the Chairman is out now, where Chris takes 10 questions from the subscribers and gives us all the answers that only the Chairman can. As normal, there's a ton of good information, and we're not going to cover every question. But there are a couple of things that really caught our attention. Firstly, Chris was asked if scans will reveal which pilots are real and which ones are NPCs. And Chris tells us, at a distance, you might not know. But a close-up scan will reveal their handle, which will identify them as a real player. Secondly, a question about melee weapons, and if we can expect anything other than guns and knives. And Chris says that currently, melee is just straight-up brawling with some basic moves. However, you will be able to expand your repertoire by visiting other places, such as a Tavarin Dojo. And doing a bit of training there will increase the amount of moves you have. Fighting against somebody who hasn't had the training should see you have just a little advantage as, well... 
they won't have that training. You'll be able to punch and kick in ways that they just won't be able to replicate. Chris also says that eventually he'd like to see other melee weapons in the game, and although he doesn't think that players will be able to fence, he hopes that in the long, 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 long-term future, it might just be a possibility. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, anybody else remembering the Daffy Duck cartoon from Looney Tunes long time ago? Oh, haha, on guard, dodge, turn, parry, thrust, spin, hot, and then he, like, falls into the water. That's what, that's what I'm seeing in my head right now. A lot of basic <laughs> moves that, you know, someone just shoots you in the head. Segwaying again to another thing, the Indiana Jones maneuver. Ah, uh, uh, yes. That's, that's kind of what I'm, that's that's what I'm seeing here, too. So, I mean, fencing and, and brawling in a game where they're already releasing concept art and, and in-game pictures of massive flamethrowers and submachine guns with laser scopes sticking out of the side of it. I mean, like, come on. Come on. Well, it, it still would be pretty cool to see some kind of martial art, even competitions. I mean, you know, if you think of this as like Second Life or, or some other alternate yeah. universe in which you're playing, you want to do as many things differently that keep you interested in the game as, as much as possible. I think it's kind of cool to have this concept of registering in a dojo and learning skills. You don't think that's, that's towing up on the MMO line? I go to a certain place enough times... I register at the dojo enough times and I unlock a different kind of punch. Are we telling a line there? No, I, I think I think they'll be more interactive than that. I think you'll actually have to work out or or get instructed and actually have to try to perform the moves. I don't I don't think it'll be registering and, and eight hours later you've learned, you know, how to do a cross block. Think of it as like I think Chris is think, seeing it then you will definitely be interactive and, and involved in, in what you're training. Uh, don't get me wrong, I kind of like, like the concept of the idea. I mean, he's always thought about going to different planets and being able to collect different weapons and different shields and you know alien goods to trade and stuff like that. Going to a different place and collecting moves and skills and other stuff, that's, that's interesting. I worry that they'll have to watch out for the accusations of, well, this is an MMO grind thing. You know, if I visit enough times and collect enough tokens, I can turn that in for a, an additional wizard spell or a special armor, you know. I'm fairly certain it's not going to be like a press F to learn skill type scenario anyway. So, you know, that side of the MMO comparison is probably gone. And as I think we will prove later, just because you've got a combat advantage doesn't mean that you're still not going to get beaten quite severely. Oh, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. I expect the same way with guns. I mean, I don't expect to walk in on gun day one and hit a bullseye. I hope to have a range and spend 20 minutes or so of my game time maybe target practicing so I can get better. I don't see us having an immediate edge walking into the game on the first day of the game. Well, let's assume for a second, and I think it's a good assumption, that there are designers even now working on making this skill-collectible system not MMO-ish. Let's let's assume that. I think it's a good assumption. What other sorts of things should we look for? And so there's different kinds of punches and blocks. What other kind of in-game functions or skills should they also be thinking about at the same time? Dancing. <laughs> yes. Yes. That I love that. I absolutely love that. The one thing I hate, especially, okay, so we mentioned Priority One earlier in the broadcast. So the one thing I hate is that you go onto the dance floor, right? And, and, you're all doing the same dance. It's kind of like, wow, how cheesy. Yeah, can in this... Star Trek Online, it's an emote. Yeah, yeah. it's an emote. Yeah. How, how, how cheesy can this get? I like this. I like this idea. I think what they actually should do is, I realize that they've got a lot on their plate already, but let's just add a bit more. Why not? Is, Why not? Yeah, Wiimote support. Attach one Wiimote to each hand. 
dance the night away. <laughs> you know, Avatar can't do Saturday Night Fever. Dual Wiimotes. Oh. I think wait, I'm wait, wait, wait. We, don't, we don't even need Wiimotes because aren't they going to do that sort of facial recognition thing? Right, right. I mean, but, you know, it, there's, there's a difference between facial recognition and disco recognition. And I think oh, wow. the latter might need its own, you know, disco IR. Disco IR. <laughs> I just, I just hope that it's not an all emote system. You know, I type in right. forward slash happy, and I, you know, throw my hands up in the air and go woohoo. I totally dig your Wiimote idea, Lennon, and yeah. that combined with Jeff's dancing skill thing, I think that we've broken fertile and important new ground here tonight, gentlemen. I, uh, I, I was glad I was here for this. Yeah, I mean, the thing is though, if it is going to replicate real life, then I can guarantee that no amount of dancing skill that's learnable in the game is actually going to be of any use to me whatsoever. <laughs> And I'm just going to end up in the bar with a face full of space ale, trying to look semi-intelligent, chatting to a pot plant. <laughs> well, you got to go. You have to go to Terra Prime for that pot plant chatting. Yeah, it's a it's a vegetarian. Uh, yeah, 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 of course, as, as everyone knows. But everyone I, knows. I mean, if you think about it, life is just a bunch is accumulation of stuff that you've learned. I mean, the first time you went to the club, you didn't know you could dance, or even that you wanted to dance but you learn this stuff over time well I, I think it's a great idea i think i think that dance moves ought to be on the next list of things that you learn in the verse that you go to different places and learn different dance moves i think that's fantastic that is an immersive in-universe type thing that no one can possibly complain about as being mmo-ish f-clicky learning a new power thing by grinding this i mean that is just purely cosmetic and fun right. and immersive so I think that's great. Yeah, and, uh, and they can move the slider down on as far as you know, uh, you know, clicking to learn the power. I think that that's a that's a great uh, great example. Yeah, what this all comes down to though is we can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind because if your friends don't dance and if they don't dance, then they're no friends of mine. So this week's time for the chairman was a great improvement over last week, and we thought, how can we make this better? And it came to us. We'll submit a question every week. We discussed this a little bit last week. We've decided to make it official. We registered an official Guard Frequency account and subscribed with it. So Guard Frequency is now a subscriber, and now we are going to take questions from our audience. Any one of you that wants to talk to the chairman and is not a subscriber or is currently a subscriber, we're not going to discriminate. Anybody is welcome to try this. Send us questions for the chairman. And we'll pick the best one. If we don't like any of the ones you guys send in, too bad. We'll make one up ourselves. And that's this week's community question. Do you have something that's on your mind that you've been dying to ask the chairman? Let us know what it is, and we'll see if we can get it in front of them. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Patch 1.1 has hit the PTU. Sorta. Before you rush off to do this gargantuan update, we do need to give you a very quick PSA. Firstly, the patch is 31 gig. Secondly, if you have your launcher open, you must close the launcher and restart it before attempting to download the patch. If you don't, bad things will happen. Thirdly, if you launch and you receive the message, unable to determine current version, for the love of all Her Majesty's things, do not select re-download all the patches, as this will just cause further issues. Hopefully they'll have all these issues fixed by the time this show is published on Tuesday. But if not, you can't say CIG didn't warn you. Anyway, let's get to the good stuff as we said, 31 gigabytes of updates. This is a mega update. Be sure to check out the patch notes linked to the show notes, as there's way too much for us to cover in a single show. Among the highlights are... Free Flight now has multiplayer support. Wreck has been added. 
Gladius is now combat ready. Lots of UI improvements. Friendly fire will now get you kicked if your fire gets a little too friendly. Constab is way less aggressive than before. Some default key bindings have been changed. Weapon mounts have been adjusted so that gimbaled mounts now hold weapons that are one size smaller than the mount. Fixed mounts still hold weapon sizes equal to the current mount. And more known issues than you can shake a stick at. Uh, Constab is less aggressive than before. Come on. I don't fly with it. I- I've always got it turned off. Right. I, I prefer flying with it off. It's, more, it's a ton more fun. Uh, and, yeah. and the gimbaled weapon mounts are, are one size smaller than the mount? Yeah, yeah. I've got questions about this, too. I mean, does that mean that, like on, on, the, on the Super Hornet, the top turret is a gimbaled turret, and it will it currently holds size... size it'll, it'll hold with size 3 weapons, I think. It'll hold the size 3 weapons. Does that mean that there will now be class 4 mounts on the turret so it can mount my size... 3 guns? 3 yeah. Badger 227s? As, as I believe it's it's been explained in different forum posts, and unfortunately I don't have them to hand, effectively it means that if you've got a size 3 weapon mount, you can mount a size 3 or a size 2 gun in that slot. So if you have a size 3 mount, you can put a gimbaled size 2 or just a fixed straight-ahead size 3? No, I, if, I'm reading the, if I'm reading this correctly, it says, Weapon mounts have been adjusted so that gimbaled mounts now hold weapons that are one size smaller than the mount. So, even though I'm, I've got size 3 on there now, if I want to switch to size 2, it can hold them. You've got to remember there's a distinction between weapon class and weapon size, which they're in the process of sorting out. So, a class 3 weapon is a gimbaled gun. They then have different sizes within them. So if you've got a smaller ship, it'll still have gimbals, but the weapons themselves will be smaller because the gimbals themselves will be smaller. Whereas if you've got a larger ship, it can have a larger size weapon that is still a class three. It is still gimbaled. It's just freaking huge rather than a pea shooter. So what this change is doing is it allows you, if you can have up to a size three weapon in that mount, basically it will accept a size three in the gimbaled slot or a size two in the gimbaled slot. It just gives you more options for your gimbaled mounts as to what type of guns they can hold. Can I be brutally honest with you, Lennon? No. Jeff, can I be brutally honest with you? Yes. Okay, Lennon, don't listen to me. I don't care. Ever since they took away my update, upgrade slots on my Connie, and said, well, we're changing the way the system works, I just don't care. You know, I agree with I you. Mean, it, it, it's, it, they're going to they're gonna tweak this system again. The spreadsheet's going to change again before we get to alpha or beta or whatever stage we're going to be at. It doesn't really matter to me that much. Am I going to have guns that will point where I want them to point and shoot where I want them to shoot? Yeah. Can they change the spreadsheet so that my Class two weapons now do 20% more damage? Because it turns out that when we nerfed the mount size, now people's expectations of what kind of guns they'll be able to fire, blah, blah. I mean, eh. Go for it, dudes. I mean, whatever you guys got to do to get the back end all consistent and working and making sure that the new designers that you bring on board at CIG understand the Bible and the concept of how weapons design works in the Star Citizen universe, great. Go for it. Have fun. Do, do what you need to do, guys. I am going to give you as much space as you need to handle that. Yeah, so one of the things that I was curious about, kind of what you were saying there, why is this really in the updates? Because we know that they are reworking the weapon system. And this kind of feels like a weird midway point. You know, Ben has previously said, forget everything you know about weapon types. And that's so there's like a big redesign that's going on there. And then this just seems to be a bit of a halfway. Well, we've half redesigned it. I mean, maybe this is part of the overall design. Maybe it is one small component. And, you know, they've 
programmed in 5% of the weapons system and they yeah. just haven't done the other 95 but it does just seem an odd one to choose part of around the verse they had updates from the santa monica team and the producers on there were saying that it was part of what they're doing is they're making standard size displacements we highlighted a few weeks ago a youtube series by one of our listeners and his name is casey and i apologize but he went through and did a really fantastic job of sort of going through the Star Citizen sort of class sizes and comparing that to displacement, you know, physical displacement in the in-game universe, five feet by ten feet by two feet, uh, you know, the volumetrics of fitting oh, uh, a power plant with a shield generator. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. That, that was him. Uh, fantastic series. And I think that either they watched that video series or have been working on it the whole time, and they were saying that basically our weapon sizes are going to now correspond to a certain physical dimension so that when we have concept artists and we send out specs to a concept artist, they know they have to leave a little bit of room on the wing, on the on the bottom, on the belly, on the on the dorsal surface, whatever, to accommodate weapons of that size. So I, I think that it is all part of a larger, more universal show bible you know like a lot of tv shows have a show bible that says like for battlestar galactica we're not running into aliens or we're not doing wormholes you know that's just part of the universe that you live in a size two gun is two feet by two feet by ten feet period so uh, i think that has a lot to do with it going on to other parts of this update though free flight mode now has multiplayer support and one thing that we didn't actually mention there is that they've also put in a few auto assists for landing on the pads mm-hmm. that are around the free flight yeah. mode now eight parts. pads not just well one. yeah there's there's eight in total which is excellent and this update also features a lot of the 64-bit support which has been being worked on for ages but this really sets the ground and, that, and that could be what the reason why the size i was thinking about that when exactly you said, when i read the 64-bit thing i said oh okay well that that answers a lot of questions about the size of things so i i can i can live with that if, it, if it's truly supporting 64-bit huzzah Chris did address that a little bit in time for the chairman too. There's they're going through kind of a weird hybrid stage. It's like it's it's like puberty. It's like game puberty, I think is what it is. It's going from a 32-bit to a 64-bit. But it's going to take a while for it to grow into its new shoes cuz Chris was describing on time for the chairman that the maps of the solar systems are going to be flying through. You know, you need that double precision to enable your machine to track everything in, in the maps of that size. But we're still in arena commander. Right. And that's all right. well, you know, you don't need double precision for the sort of map size we're flying around it. So they're doing some mid-stage hybridization between the 64-bit computing environment, but it's still just rendering on a 32-bit scale because really that's all we need right now. So game puberty, that's where we're at. Well, one. I, yeah. I think a lot of the reason why you get those stutters in the game, even though I've got SSD drives and, and you know, the rig that I have, the reason I, I have such poor performance in game is because there's not a 64-bit executable running to address it. I mean, it, to address all that memory and stuff that I have available to it, it's just not using it. So I'm getting bottlenecked between the processor well, trying to process and the memory that's available. As with all big patches, I'm sure that we'll all find other things to complain about besides Jeff's processor bottlenecks. Yeah, sure that's true. All kinds, of, all kinds of crazy things that, uh, that go on that will need to be addressed in patch 1.1.1. I mean, the list of known issues as well, and I, I, I realize we're testing the client and all that, but the list of known bugs was pretty much about as long as the patch notes itself, which did I think that whole, giggle. you know, yeah, I think that whole Chris holding on to it too long, waiting for too much polish, letting go of the baby, I think that those issues have been settled. Okay, so you reckon that by the time it actually hits Arena Commander that most of those will be gone? 
I, I do. Th- yeah, I do think so. I think you know that there's a reason they're doing it on the PTU side. That they'll that these things are all things they recognize and identify and can probably fix on a, a relatively short timeline. I mean, some of them are going to make it into the Arena Commander patch because, like you said, it's still alpha. And whatever internal discussion there was about it's going out to people to see, so it's got to look good versus the people that it's going out to paid the alpha test, let's get it to them. I think this whole PTU system has clearly resolved it in favor of get it out there, let it break, let it do embarrassing things, we don't care, just let, let it break in public and we'll, we'll, we'll pick up the pieces, that's how we're going to do it. You know, even with the current patch troubles that even now they're having some difficulty with pushing a patch for the 1.1 that went to the PTU, and then they're going to pull down the patch in the original 1.1 and then replace it with a 1.1 that contains the patch. Yeah, do this. Do more of this. This is okay. We're, we need to we need to expect this on the PTU side, and I think it's a good thing. Just going back to the list of things that is new and coming, Jeff, the Gladius is now combat ready. Uh, tell us your thoughts. I'm excited. I want to apply this bird. Mm, yes. And did you see the uh, the damage states that they've released? Please don't depress me. No, 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 no. no. It's it's not depressing. Trust me. Oh, it's it's damage states, but the the level of fidelity and just how they've got all these little tiny individual details, little twisted bits of metal and everything. It's really, really quite good. Yes, it's a broken Gladius, but it's still really good. <laughs> it's a good looking broken Gladius. Yes, you know, shades of Battlestar Galactica. You know, towards the end of the second and third seasons when they park the Vipers in the hangar deck and there's scorch marks all over them. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, little little exposed bits of wiring and stuff. Sweet. And the SIM pod is now available. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the first steps in the, uh, I don't want to use the term persistent universe, but I think that's how they've been saying, isn't it? It's, you know, the first steps to it being real life, in inverted commas. Um, so you'll be able to get into your SIM pod to play Arena Commander. And if 10 for the Chairman is anything to go by, they're also going to drop in Squadron 42 episodes to replay into there, which I thought was quite a cool idea. Now it's time for News We Didn't Use. Help the Herald. Congrats, we did it! Fan spotlight Lego ships suitable for ages 3 plus. Um, 30 is older than 3, right guys? It absolutely is. Terror Gazette, UEE tied to Goldfinch. Well, it's better than a weasel riding a woodpecker. <laughs> Meet the Devs, episode 15. The community team featuring Ben Lesnick, lead moderator Will, and Leisure Suit Larry. Note from the chairman, Underworld Ascendant, another great Kickstarter project. Check it out. And Around the Verse, episode 34, you know, you should always juice before you fly. I haven't even told the team about the Space Ponies yet. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Cheers for that, Chris. Yeah, recently, uh, guys, how could I How uh, could I forget? So listeners might remember how I didn't like the Mustang, then I liked the Mustang, then I loved the Mustang. And you guys have always complained that they're useless and pointless, and so... I believe my exact was... words, they were the red shirts of the Star Citizen universe. I think that's, that's, that's my... And most appropriately described, too, I might add. So the gauntlet was thrown down, a match was set up. I got to give a huge shout out to the members of the Verse cast who valiantly rode to my aid and in a match that history will just describe by the words epic. I realise that's only one word, that is how epic it was. It takes the place of two <laughs> words. The team of four Mustangs, two Deltas and two Betas versus Tony and Jeff in their Super Hornets and just just remind me what the end result was, guys, because I've forgotten. 
I thought it was a draw. The two to one. Let's describe the rules of the game here a little bit here. It was a best of three sorties. When you die, when your ship was blown up, you're, you had to go to the sidelines. You weren't allowed to respawn and go back in. So it was four on two, three sorties. First sortie was taken by the Mustangs. Second sortie, one Mustang fell out due to network connections. That round was taken by the Super Hornets. And then the third round, it was, again, four on two and taken by the Mustangs. The reason that they did so well was the great kamikaze efforts of their pilots. <laughs> now, now, Jeff, let's not cast I, twice, aspersions. I take, twice I was taken out by kamikazes. Casting aspersions on the tactics of the opposing team is, is not a solution here. You're right. We, You're the, right. The, I apologize. The, the boundary lines were drawn. The battle was joined under the rules, and under the rules that were proposed, the Mustangs won fair and square. And then, Jeff, after the rules were lifted, and just for fun and games, we decided to go just free-for-all, and Shiv joined in to make it a four versus three, four Mustangs versus two Super Hornets, and a 315P. What was the result of that, Jeff? Well, <laughs> a massacre? Yeah. Well, yeah. to be fair, Shiv out-survived everybody. Well, that's because you couldn't hit him with your kamikaze maneuvers because he was in a really fast 315. I, I never oh, said that there wasn't I a reason for it. I'm just saying he did out-survive <laughs> everyone. That's right. So, so each of the two the, the two previous sorties, we sort of jumped out, went back into the hangar, and, and then regrouped. But in the last one, we just said, screw it, let's just have fun. And so then at the end of it, it was the Hornet team had, it was seven kills, three kills, and one kill. And on the other team, it was one kill, one kill, one kill, one kill. So it, there was 11, 11, 11 kills versus four kills on the free-for-all. And two of the kills from the Mustang team were the ones that took out me and Jeff at the, at the beginning because that was all one match. So after we went free-for-all, Jeff, Shiv, and I combined for a 11-2 match there. So take that as you will. <laughs> I did have some interesting uh, statistics from that. We, we started yeah, noticing a pattern in the free-for-all. We started noticing a pattern and now that we're freely talking because obviously each side was in a separate room and all this sort of thing. Yeah, we, we were trying to preserve some secrecy. Yeah, yeah. So you guys missed my incredibly rousing speech that brought a tear to everyone's eye but there's no proof. I, I'm sure I it, this, it was so. a British accent. Now, please beaches, please do, not, do not give us a de uh, demonstration. <laughs> I wasn't going to. Basically, I, I didn't prepare a speech, so I just read the Chinese takeaway menu, but that was enough to get everybody <laughs> in the zone. So, uh, yes, we noticed this particular pattern in the free-for-all that the Hornet kills for a, a certain kinetic impulsor, which would be Tony, mm. for those who aren't familiar, was seven. The number of deaths for a certain Mustang Beta piloted by a guy called Kraft, which is me, was seven. <laughs> And every well, time I did I kill you twice, it, just a I, I did kill you twice. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you can't pin that all on me. Yeah, that's right. I, I was I was gunning for you. See, I the thing is, I think I think what it was was a case of everybody attacked the British guy, and I just want to say that is profiling, and profiling is wrong. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> Being a Scotsman and all, I I, I want to attack the British every chance I get, but but this is deeper <laughs> than that. <laughs> <laughs> deeper than that? Deeper than hundreds of years of cross-border uh, hatred? Oh, yes. <laughs> How did it go deeper than that, Jeff? Well, he is our co-host. That is That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he was traitoring on the other team with the other podcast. Anyway, oh, I, think, so awful. I think the important <laughs> thing to take away from this is that Mustangs are better than Hornets. And before anybody else says oh, anything else, whoa. before oh, anybody man. says anything else, I think we should just move on with the discussion. And I really need to know, guys, where the f*** <laughs> 
is the first person shooter module. I don't know, but you know what I'm doing passing the time? I'm wearing a hat. Oh, yes, you are. And I'm wearing it well. (laughs) Yes, yes. While I may have been vanquished on the Broken Moon map field, I emerged victorious from the hat fight. And Jeff, my true and steady wingman, took third place in the hat fight. Well done, sir. There was an honorable mention category and a second place winner, but I'm trying to remember where Lennon got on his, uh, uh, where, where he wound up in the hat fight. My Jeff, hat. do you remember where Lennon's prize? I Where uh, Lennon was? No, I don't. My, no, there's a reason, Jeff, <laughs> because he did not place at all, not even an honorable mention. Oh, well... So, so he can he can have his little his little space pony victory. I will let I will grant you your space pony victory, sir. Well earned, well played. I mean, it's a one sided. I mean, you got four against two, and but, da, 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 Jeff, Jeff. Okay, Jeff, okay, okay. You know, I'm, we gotta let it go. Uh, Let's concentrate right. on the positives here. Okay. And what we're talking about now is how good we look in hats. <laughs> and there's we value. do look good in hats. We do look good in hats, and I think that there's value there, and that needs to be recognized. Yeah, you're right. The thing is, my hat was just so mind-blowingly awesome, you couldn't rank it. So That's nice try. That's right up with us talking about your kamikaze maneuvers. Yeah, just no. <laughs> yeah, the, the field of play was drawn, the boundaries were set, the battle was joined, and Jeff and I... And ran away with it. That's all there is. That's, that's, that's all there is. So we want to thank Megan Sheever, concept artist at the Austin CIG studio, at McGillikitty on Twitter for both instigating the hat fight and settling it in a most appropriate manner. Thanks so much, Megan. Thank you. And on that bombshell, now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, it's time to talk to Varian in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Hello, Control. Hello, Tony. It's good to see you. It's lovely to see you as well, Control. I've brought you your 11 o'clock coffee. That was very kind of you, Tony. What's this packet here on the tray? Oh, that's the report you asked for. It's quite thorough. There's likely not a single Tavaran separatist on the planet who isn't listed in that file. This is indeed quite thorough, Tony. However did you get such detailed information? I didn't think we had enough agents available for this. Well, Control, at the risk of sounding boastful, I had quite the clever setup. I convinced an entire existing corporation to act as a front for the Office of Executive Services. A front for the OES? That does sound rather ingenious. How did you pull that one off? I'll tell you how. It was a clever setup. Hello. Who do I have the surprise pleasure of meeting in my private office? In the middle of a secure OES compound. Completely unannounced. Oh, how silly of me. I failed to properly introduce the two of you. Mostly because I've forgotten your name. Laurie. Stephen Laurie. Ah, quite right. Well, Mr. Laurie, I'm Tony and this is Control. Hello, Mr. Laurie. It is a pleasure to meet you. Likewise, Control. Tony... And do please call me Stephen. As I said earlier, prior to our formal introduction, it was a clever setup. I gathered most of the intelligence in that file you are holding. This gentleman is, in fact, employed by the Front Corporation Control. I think we ought to give him our full attention. Well, Stephen, it certainly would save me a great deal of time if you would tell me what you learned. I find reading actual OES intelligence files to be so dreadfully boring. (laughs) 
No offense, Tony. None taken control. All OES reports are written in that way on purpose. We found that it prevents serious Senate oversight. <laughs> Do please tell me what this is all about, Stephen. Certainly controlled. For starters, you should know that some of the separatists never forgave the UEE for terraforming the planets of their ancestors. He's dead right on that control. <laughs> Splendid. Tell me more. These Tavarin have a strong desire for the return of Ajora, their ancient warrior code. Again, control. Spot on. <laughs> Wonderful. And they want to encourage the spread of that warrior code so they can overthrow their tyrannical oppressor, who they believe is the UEE. He's certainly bang on there too, Control. <laughs> but hang on. This operation was supposed to be absolutely hush-hush. The data was supposed to come straight to us from the surveillance gear that we bugged and sent to the Separatists. Very keen, Tony. How did you come to learn all of this, Stephen? Well, Control, I work for a shipping company, FTL. Tony hired my company to deliver packages full of spy equipment from the OES to the Tavar. Pretty clever of me, eh, Control? No one suspected a thing. Very nicely done, Tony. Please do go on, Stephen. As you know, most of the crates contained intelligence gear. Well, one of the crates wasn't taped shut properly, and the contents had shifted in transit. <gasps> oh, Dear, I do so despise when that happens. As do I, Control. But it is my job to fix that problem whenever it arises. When I repackaged the contents, one of the devices activated and took over my Moby Glass feed. I saw everything it saw. Oh, gracious, Control. It looks like the boffins down in Q Branch left a default setting switched on. Dear me. Do look into that for me, will you, Tony? Well, Stephen, thank you for your attention. And your discretion. But tell me, why did you come here today? I've been practicing my surveillance skills and data acquisition from hardened sources. This was a real test of my mental. I came here to prove myself and ask for a job. Hmm. <laughs> yes, that's all very good, Stephen. But it seems to me that you have a quality that we here at OES prize far above, you know, fancy skills and hard work. What's that, Control? Dumb, Dumb luck. <laughs> Stephen, have a seat and let's talk. Tony, why don't you go and fetch us all some fresh coffee? This pot has grown cold. Oh, certainly, Control. Oh, and one more thing. Live from Terra Prime, it's Satire Day Night! Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a nugget of lore some sit or sieve taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune in the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he was once in a vicious knife fight with Paula Dean, and that if you tune your radio to 88.4 megahertz, you can actually hear his thoughts. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he put together this week's feedback. From Sean Newboy on the topic of minigames. Wonderful show, everyone. I would love to see things like mining and repairs be minigames. It gives more immersion. So much unacceptably bad readings in the bloopers. 
Ostron writes in and says, I like the minigames. I see them almost like interactive spectrum dispatches that give more insight into the world of the game rather than just highlighting or testing actual gameplay. Amante Tiliado says, I look forward to the browser games and enjoy them for what they are. I love to see a lot more minigames on the website. Not only as entertainment, but also as advertisement. Star Citizen has so many facets to it. I think a mini game for each is a great way to list them out and really drive home that SC isn't a single game type. As for mini games, I'd like to see cargo loading. It would be sort of a Tetris-like game with grav sleds. Racing, maybe a side scroller against the clock with asteroids to dodge. Bounty Honey, where in the verse is Candace Santimonica? <laughs> I like that. One. Dig that. Salvage, an online game of operation where you have to delicately guide the extraction of valuable equipment off these ships that could explode if you make a mistake. Search and rescue. How about one of those hidden item games where you have only so much time to find and tractor in folks floating in some debris field? Cheers. Nimo G says, I enjoyed the exploration minigame as it was a fun little roleplay thing, but the mining game, mm, not so much. Madness Off says, do I want to see another web-based minigame? God, no. Daniel Stapleford says, The web devs have a lot of work to do, and even though minigames are cool, I'd rather they put that time into more important things. Maybe they can pick it up again next year. Sergeant Connor Tennant says, Yeah, the minigames are a nice treat in a way for us, and earning the forum badge thingy enforces that. If they plan the ones to come, well, I doubt they will get boring or repetitive. Sally Dean says, Very good show, guys. Lennon, Lennon, Lennon. Oh, how you're yang to the yang, you're zag to the zig, your posh to the pish was sorely missed. Mini games, meh. I do them for the badges. I need those stinking badges. Achievement unlocked. Joaquin DeJong says, Hey, guys, great show. Had a good laugh when Jeff tried to squeeze out my name. I didn't know my name was so terrible for you. Sorry, Jeff. Just say in the future, Mr. The Young, and that'll cover it. And then I can recognize my own name. Minigames, until you guys said it in your show, I didn't know that you could get an achievement for it. But I still don't care that much. Yeah, you can show off how good you are at a certain minigame, but it's nothing compared to Star Citizen, the real game. But if people are enjoying it and it's not interfering with the making of the real game, why not let them enjoy a minigame? And from Patrick the Patreon patron, my thoughts for a minigame. Mods and devs versus rage trolls. Think plants versus zombies. Help fend off rage trolls while building the Star Citizen brand. Earn bonus points for converting rage trolls to fanboys. Upgrade your team by collecting more citizens. Gain bonus citizens by getting Chris Roberts to the next convention. Win the game by creating the perfect blend of, get this guys, Star Wars, Star Trek, Serenity, and Battlestar Galactica, and make everyone's dreams come true. I think he's nailed it there. I mean, aside from being a really generous and wonderful person and giving us money every week to do the show, he's basically nailed what everybody who's donated this game really wants. Does, does that does that mean I get to keep the blue fairy? The blue fairy, yes, you can keep the blue fairy. Oh, okay. Yeah, good set of feedback, everyone. Kind of a mixed bag, though. A lot of people seem to be in favor of minigames. Other people just really couldn't care less about them. Yeah, I mean, at one point I think we really do need to make, though, is that the development of the minigames is not taking away from anything in the game. They're, again, proceeding under this parallel studio development. The minigames clearly fall under the website management and advancement, and so the resources have been allocated under that department, which is not taking away resources from the damaged states on the Gladius or the animations on the Retaliator. That's not, that's not a thing. 
So uh, the mini games are, are, are a different department. And I think, as some of our, our listeners pointed out, it's a diversion. It's something to do while we're waiting for the real game. It's an advertisement. It helps, it helps people sort of, you know, uh, interact with uh, the website and, and have a reason to hang out, maybe click on a few more pages and learn about some more stuff and maybe spend some more money. There's nothing wrong with mini games. Yeah, I did like Amontillado's ideas, though. The cargo loading being a bit like Tetris. Bounty hunting. Where in the verse is Candy Santa Monica? I love that one. That's yes. a great. That is a great one. They had a, the CIG ought to steal that one right now. Mm-hmm. That one's fantastic. Yep. Uh, the online game of Operation, where you've kind of got a... I don't quite know how that would really work. I guess it would kind of be like, don't touch the lines type sort yeah, of game. Yeah, maybe it's a, like a flash game that, you, yeah. that you, you click on it, then you have to drag it through tunnels or something, and then get out the side without touching the edges of the tunnel, and maybe like every once in a while the, the ship shakes or something and makes the tunnel wiggle. So you have... You could have that. I mean, that, that would, that'd, be, that'd be all right. Yeah, and finally, the search and rescue game, the hidden item games where you've only got X amount of time. I would probably end up punching my monitor at that because they just and and and, and hey, hold on, hold on. We already discovered. We already figured out what the what the search and rescue game would be like. It would be a minesweeper. Game. Yes, we already called that one. Sorry, Amontillado, a little late to the game on that one. Osteron writes in, on one of the recent Reverse to Verse episodes, I believe Ben L. asked Will to pick out a specific type of question for Chris and Tent for the Chairman. And I think Chris mentioned that a lot of the questions deal with the mechanics and things that they may know an answer to but cannot yet reveal. With a major focus seeming on Squadron 42 in the larger Persistent Universe, I'm not surprised that they can't reveal much. Also, you guys do a whole segment on your show to go over some of the bare-bones information about aspects of the game, presumably for the benefit of newer listeners' backers. Glass houses, stones, just saying. Gizmozan says, Thanks for keeping me engaged in my drive to work this morning. Keep up the great podcast. Will do, sir. Gizmozan also tweeted us wondering if we were sending anybody to Austin for South by Southwest. Sadly, no. The money and time are just not in the podcasting budget this year, but... uh, That's a brilliant segue right into our next little bit, Jeff. From our amazing donors of monetary goodness, latest Patreon. We didn't have a new patron this week, but uh, yeah. Random Org chose a winner. Chris, our first winner of the sub $1.25 Patreons. Stickers. He's he's got this whole system down, folks. You donate at any level to our Patreon campaign, you will get entered in to win something from our store. Right now, we've only unlocked the stickers. Uh, as we get more dollars per episode, we'll unlock patches, T-shirts, pins, other prizes. So just uh, just keep donating, uh, keep chipping in. Every little bit helps and gets us towards our goals of unlocking more swag for you guys to win every week. And this week's community question, do you have a question that you've been dying to ask the chairman? Well, let us know what it is and we'll see if we can get it in front of him. Just send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over on the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. So how was the show? Did we solve the case smoothly or did our germophobia make it awkward for everyone? Either way, let us know. Here's some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can also subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of Episode 62 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with Episode 63 on March 17th. So to be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subform. 
Please send us your feedback about the show, aside from all the ways we just ran down. You can also use the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in our show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Well, if so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, then you should really check out our sister production, Priority One. They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just head on over to PriorityOnePodcast.com. And on that note, they've actually also been nominated in the 10th Annual Podcast Awards for uh, Best Produced and Best Gaming Podcast. So if you want to show your support, just head on over. Links will be in the show notes and give them a vote. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording around 8.30 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 2.30 a.m. GMT metric time. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Charlton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's out there... <laughs> Tony, why don't you go and fetch us all some coffee? Some fresh coffee. Lennon, why don't you reread that sentence? Editing sounds. Uh, Somebody make editing sounds for me. Um, or a girl from me can even... Chicka, 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 chicka. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Th- does, that, does that mean I get to keep the blue fairy? The blue fairy. Yes, you can keep the blue fairy. Oh, okay. You didn't get it from <laughs> clicking on a link in the show notes, did you? <laughs> No, Jeff gets other things from clicking on links in the show notes. Whew, okay, things that things that he has, things he has to scrub off his hard drive later. The leading theory thus far is that a small impact exposed frozen water just below the rocky surface, and through sublimation, sub- sublimation. You're right, Lennon. I do have a, good, a bunch of screw-ups in this one. Yes, you're right. Good call. Good call. Uh, anything, Jeff? You want to talk about space probes, uh, asteroids? <clears throat> Just to, Never yeah, tell you the odds. Last time I was captured, I, I pleaded and pleaded not to have the space probes. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, we wanted something for the okay, blooper reel. So, there it is. So, yeah, there we go. I mean, we're straight downhill, right? From the, from the legs joke to the dark side of the dwarf <laughs> joke to the space probe joke. Okay, well, I think that's going to do it. That's pretty much run the whole gamut right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're done. Anyway, but so that's week's this. Let me try it again. And so that's week. That's the week community question. <laughs> okay, we'll try it. We're done. Do you need like dual Wiimotes on your teeth or that? Like, I do. I need one on the bottom. Uh huh. Yeah, and just to just to make my gums work. Okay, let me try it one more time. One thing that that was in the notes that nobody seemed to ask me about was if I was excited over was that the Gladius is combat ready.
Since I have a Gladius. Yeah, the Gladius is an old fighter, Jeff. We know you're happy because it's old. I know. I'm, I'm just an old man. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff remembers when it was a Gladiator. Still in its prime, you know. Back when it was carrying a long sword, but now it's just a short sword. <sighs> Get no respect. <laughs> no respect. <laughs> it's not our fault you're immortal. It's not our fault you're immortal, Jeff. You just live forever and you remember everything. And Lennon and I just have to sit at your knee and gaze up at you and wonder... Maybe that's what it was like back in the day. 